muted myself there. Good day, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Fontleroy. So good to see all of you here today. The JB Font channel is available on all major podcast platforms, so you can subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, so you can find me on the JB Show on Sundays at 1. Uh, you can also call, find me on RBN Live on Tuesdays at 4 and the Savvy and JB Show on Thursdays at 6. Thank you so much to everyone for coming in today. Uh, thank you to the subscribers, members, patrons on Coffee and Patreon, and anybody who supports me whatsoever. Thank you to all of you who are uh, constantly watching me. It's a privilege to be here. If you have not already, then make sure to subscribe to my Patreon or my Coffee if you guys would like to. You guys can be able to do that. And thanks to all the patrons on Patreon as well. Please also make sure to subscribe to my Substack for notifications. You guys can go to jbfont.substack.com so you guys can get notifications as well. And as uh, well as all that, you guys can also please make sure to like the stream as well. I appreciate that because that also pushes me out into the algorithm. Now, this is going to be a taping, so of course, I do not have anybody inside the chat to say hello to, but I also do have a guest, and I would like to introduce my guest right now because I really want to get into our conversation. Uh, introducing uh, Mr. Carl Ja. He is a podcaster and commentator in all things geopolitical, and I am very happy to have you here, Mr. Ja. Thank you, James. Thank you for inviting me. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you uh, as first, uh, you know, I, of, of many questions, and this is kind of a little bit more of a background information to people who may not know you or your work, because, uh, you know, we have some cross-pollination of audiences, but I would like to, for those who don't know, can you give us a bit of a background and what major event helped shape you regarding your ideology? Oh, thank you. Um, so I was born in China back in 1976, one, one month after Mao died. So I'm the first generation, first post-cultural revolution generation that grew up in China. I spent my uh, formative years, uh, my first 13 years of my life in China. Um, I went to school there. And after... Um, I was in I was in China in 1989 during the Tiananmen Square uh, protest, and oh I came gosh. to you. Yes, I my my dad was already in U.S. Uh, since 1985 because he was the first generation of Chinese students who came to U.S. after Cultural Revolution to to study abroad. Uh, that's when Deng Xiaoping said, you know, let our students go learn the technology from the Western advanced economies. And uh, if they don't come back, it's okay. But if they do, that will be a bonus. So my, my dad was that wave that came out. And in 1990, I came to United States as a 13 year old. Um, uh, so I went to high school here. I did high school, college. And I, for the longest time, I thought of myself as a, uh, you know, I I, th I thought myself was a personification of American dream because look at me. I, here I am, a, a poor immigrant boy, uh, you know, because when I first came to U.S., my dad was working as a postgrad in uh, University of, of Illinois at Chicago. And, you know, he was making a pittance like I get I got free lunch at school. Right. So like I we we live in a, yeah, <laughs> we live in a working class neighborhood. And, you know, I know what what, what is it like to be poor in the United States. And and so when I when I graduated, you know, I, I was able to got accepted to Caltech, graduated, um, got a tech job. I thought, look at me, you know, I am the personification of American dream, right? This is, this is a, before I realized it's all, <laughs> the game is rigged. And, and, <laughs> and my, my political transformation actually came around 2003. So a couple of years after I joined the workforce, Iraq war happened. And I thought this is just insane. It's it's so obvious. This is like so obviously a war on trumped up charges. Um, and and yet the Congress, nobody stand up and said no. I, I mean, like this is at, at the time it was there were 
anti-war voices. I was in Chicago. I remember there was a big protest that shut down the um, shut down the main traffic along Lake Michigan. But it's almost seemed like the popular voice doesn't matter. Uh, the congressmen still voted to give the president authorization to go to war on totally yeah. this ground. And I thought the country was going insane. And that's when I start doubting my <laughs> my own ideology. You know, previously mm-hmm. I, I kind of subscribed to the the neoliberal view of the world. You know, I thought, okay, maybe Francis Fukuyama is right. This is the end of history. This is as good as it's gonna get. <laughs> you know, back back then in the back of my mind, I always thought, okay, this kind of sucks. If this is the ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> evolution of human society <laughs> you know this, this is kind of this sucks this is very but three iraq war was really eye-opening experience for me and and that's when i realized uh you know this country which i had previously you know i i really believed in is is built on lies. I mean, the, the, our politician, that's how our system works. Our system, so it, it, everything is built on lies. So, so I, I start questioning, um, you know, I also used to read, I was, uh, when I was 16, I delivered New York Times. I was a newspaper boy from New York Times. So I, I developed a habit to read New York Times every day from 16 to, until I was about 26. And, wow. What I noticed is that their reporting on China is total crap because, like the the, the China that appear on the page of New York Times is a totally different country from the one I left behind. <laughs> so I know that's crap, but I still believe what they say about the other country, for example, Russia, because I thought, okay, maybe this just because you know Westerner don't get China. I thought you know it's something unique about China the Westerners unable to comprehend. But then, um, also around the time of the Iraq War, I um, I found I got on the internet. I found this uh, American expat magazine that was based in Moscow at the time. Exile. It was by yeah. Matt James and Matt Taibbi at the time. And mm-hmm. from their writings, I realized, oh no, it's not it's not just China. This is how the Western media report on almost every countries in the world. Because yeah. um, they're banking on Americans' ignorance because many mm-hmm. Americans don't know the situation in, in Russia or China. So they just blindly accept what their foreign correspondents, uh, correspondents tell, tell, tell us. And Matt Taibbi described a situation where he, like every story, he has a template. And he basically have the story already written before he got on the plane to fly to Turkmenistan to interview his subject, they just need to fill in the names, and and it was it was another eye opening experience for me. That that's when I realized the, the 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 propaganda conducted at the corporate media level. This, this is something people don't realize. I mean, in in um in countries like China uh, and also uh, former Soviet countries, they. They know what state media is, you know, so they can read. Say they um, by understanding the state media is a organ of the state, it's a mouthpiece of the state. They know how to read the news. Whereas in the United States and uh, much of the Western world, people, uh, because they 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 just take for granted that we have free media, so they accept whatever the so-called free media uh, feed them. I mean, they can. A lot of the domestic stuff is is a little bit better because you know people we live in the United States we can call out all the bullshit the friend friend but um, because for a lot of the foreign foreign news we don't have the reference we don't have the context you know not many of us are you know have the money or the means to travel abroad to 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 to, all, to live in all these parts of the world so a lot of times the only source of our information unless we do our own research came from those mainstream media, which just print out straight propaganda from U.S. State Department. <laughs> and well, Go ahead. Go ahead. You well, I was going to say, uh, plus you also have the language barrier. I mean, most of us here in the United States only speak one language. Yes, and so, yes. you know, for us to either speak Russian or Cantonese or, or, or you know, Korean, or you know, speaking uh, Portuguese or anything like that, we just don't know 
what really is going on. And for instance, if you look at a Chinese newspaper, all you see is Chinese characteristics. You don't know what in the hell it says. So for you, you're just going to go by what the paper of record, like the New York Times says, or you're going to go by what CNN, MSNBC, or ABC News. You're going to go by what they say, and you're going to take it as fact. Um, yeah. And one of the I, things that I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I you, you got me thinking because I'm thinking like, why is a lot of the U.S. left types they can see through the U.S. propaganda about Latin America, for example? You know, they know mm -hmm. like all this propaganda about Cuba, but yet mm -hmm. at the same time they swallow lying hook and sinker about what they report <laughs> about China, right? And like exactly. <laughs> And then, then the people are like, we support, the, you know, the Cuban revolution or the Bolivarian revolution, but China is evil imperialist. Like, yeah, yeah. don't you even realize China is friends with Cuba and Venezuela? I mean, like, <laughs> people don't make that connection in their head somehow. But I think it's it has to do with familiarity because a lot of people know Latin America because it's geographically closer, it's culturally closer. Yeah. We have a lot of... Uh, you know the the Latin American diaspora in the United States. Um, so so it's a lot easier for them to establish a connection. But but you know I, I still find it weird. You know like people people they will just they will see the U.S. is like this evil empire doing nasty things in, in Latin America, spreading a lot of disinformation, a lot of propaganda, but about the socialist countries. And then when it comes to China, somehow they're the critical meter just get turned off and then they just regurgitate what the, what was repeated on CNN, Wall Street Journals, um, New York Times, etc. So, I, you know, I this is what prompted me to start my own podcast career because I felt like I I know China. I, I, I feel like I straddle two cultures. You know, I, I'm, I spent 13 years in China and I also grew up in the United States. So I felt like I'm almost, uh, I, I felt almost obligated to explain China to people, you know, like what you hear in the mainstream news is crap. <laughs> you know, let, let me give you some perspective as a Chinese person who had, who was born in China and grew up in China and have relatives and friends in China, how it really is. So this is kind of my arc of development. Yeah. And I think that is imperative for people to listen to others like you who really are from mainland China, who know the ins and outs and don't go by what the uh, the stenographers for U.S. hegemony have to say, because the thing is, is that you got to realize these are the, these are the, just the mouthpieces. And you need somebody who's on the outside that say, uh, yeah, no, this is not how it is. I've been there. I know what it's like. And they're saying a whole bunch of BS, you know, and I think that's what's important about voices like yours. And to my audience, I tell you, you know, if you guys have not, then subscribe to Carl Josh's channel because you guys need to get the perspective of what's really going on there, because a lot of times people will go by. Oh, the, the, you know, from from the, the pandemic to the Uyghurs to all these different things that the United States will put out there. And it's like, well, are you talking to somebody who's actually from there, who especially who is anti-imperialist, that is going to tell you what the real deal Holyfield is? They won't do that. And for instance, will they have you on at all on any of the, you know, the national media? <laughs> well, the yeah, Sky, yeah. The, 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 this RT con <laughs> RT on press TV um, and and I, I got on Sky News once <laughs> Sky News Australia nice. they didn't invite me back <laughs> but, and, uh, no they won't they won't <laughs> yeah I mean uh, one, one part of it is a discrediting of the voices from those countries you know anytime you have uh, someone say from China uh, who who present a different view from that or mainstream media they're immediately getting get accused of being like ccp bots or the ccp <laughs> you're you're not even a real person you're like just a bot you're just an automaton regurgitating ccp propaganda right and 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 this is this it's part of the uh you know it's the, the one part of the propaganda is to dehumanize your enemy, 
right? They're not, they're not real humans. They don't have agency. They, they're not capable of thinking for themselves. You know, they must be, uh, you know, in my case, because I'm a Chinese, I must have a brain chip embedded in my head. That I'm, I'm remotely controlled by Xi Jinping in Beijing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Look, Carl, let me tell you this. And also, just to add to your point, they feel if they dehumanize you and you have no agency, then that means you don't have sovereignty. And this is one of the reasons why they're literally trying to ship people over to Taiwan to say, oh, well, we got to defend Taiwan from China. And I'm like, trying to defend Taiwan from China is like China saying we got to defend Florida from the United States. And, and right? when, when United States itself still does not recognize taiwan as an independent country i mean like like even when you united states if you go to the u.s government site you know you search for one china policy or or shanghai communique um, yeah you will see back in 1972 when nixon went over to china he signed a a joint statement with then chinese premier Zhou Enlai, which emphatically stated that united states recognized the Chinese on the both side of the Taiwan Strait recognize there's only one China. And this is uh, the Taiwan issue is an issue to be resolved among Chinese themselves. Right. But what that it was the basis for the Sino-American relationship going on uh, onwards. I mean, that that led to China, mainland China, United States for the finally normalized diplomatic ties in 1979 and mm -hmm. and and ever since but what what has happened in the last decades united states is kind of it's trying to back away from its own one china policy and mm -hmm. and, and and it's trying to walk very close to the chinese red line because the, the Chi chinese have been very clear about what the red line is they're like you know if taiwan declares formal independence that is a red line that, that, you know, but what United States is doing is like what, just like what they are doing did to Russia, you know, with the NATO expansion after the dissolution of Soviet Union with, yeah. on the Taiwan issue, they would just go right up against the line. You know, it's like, ah, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm almost touched it. I almost touched it. What are you going to do? It's like really childish and really stupid and really dangerous. I mean, like, I mean, like we're we're talking about two nuclear armed powers here, China and United States, and and right now, China, United States have uh, at least three, at least three nuclear powered aircraft carrier group uh, battle groups sailing around the coast of China, right? And and if even if United States do not plan a war, if if uh, some accident happened when all this military hardware floating around in such close proximity, you could lead to World War III. Um, you know, that's what happened back in 2001. A lot of people may not remember, but before 9-11, in the early part of 2001, Donald Rumsfeld authorized increased surveillance flight along the Chinese coast. Basically, he ordered more spy planes to buzz the Chinese coast. And that led to the Hainan uh, plane spy plane incident when a U.S. spy plane plane collided with a Chinese uh, jet fighter, and then the U.S. spy plane was forced landed on Highland Island. That was a big. There was a big tension around that time, and it, it, at that time, it almost looked like the U.S. and China are going down the wrong path. But but then uh, you know Osama bin Laden did you know then 9/11 happened, and then U.S. interests got distracted elsewhere u.s decided to launch this genocidal stupid war in middle east for you know for for good 10 15 years and now they realize oh my god within this time china has developed itself to be a quite powerful country and it's uh, now it's a near peer competitor something we cannot allow because united states always demands full spectrum dominance right and and now they feel challenged. And now that's why we're seeing increasing provocation from the United States um, around the Taiwan issue with China. Because, um, again, U.S. know where China's red line is. U.S. is trying to cross this red line by sending Nancy Pelosi to Taiwan on U.S. Air Force 
jet and with U.S. Air Force fighter escort. I mean, that's a very provocative move. But, uh, you know, the Chinese, they played it cool. They did not shoot her down <laughs> to disappointment of many people. And, and but, you know, they, they, they let her land. What they did is they wait for her to leave. And then they launched the exer- military exercise around Taiwan, which hasn't happened for uh, 20 years. You know, the last time they did that was back in 1996. Um, and, 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 and that's also around the time when the last speaker of the house, Newt Gingrich, <laughs> visited Taiwan. So, so this, this time, um, uh, uh, just recently, the now current house speaker McCarthy decided to meet with the Taiwan leader Tsai Ing-wen on U.S. soil. They knew it's a provocative move. Uh, they knew it will lead China to respond, which China did by launching another military exercise around Taiwan Strait. And then they point out to that, to like, look, China is being aggressive. China is being aggressive. So we have to sell more weapons to Taiwan. Uh, and U.S. congressmen literally said, we need to arm Taiwan to the teeth, you know, to preserve peace. Like, like these people probably don't even listen to themselves talk. You know, we have to arm Taiwan to the teeth to per- preserve the peace and stability. No, that's that's a highly destabilizing move. What you're doing. Um, so go ahead, jump in anytime. I'm just ranting here. Oh no, I mean there was. Uh, I actually saw a video about exactly what you said. Uh, gosh, it was uh, about a week or so ago, and I found it to be hilarious because this guy was basically just going off and saying. You know, uh, we need to arm Taiwan. And um, I think it was I think somebody was speaking in front of the the NRA. I think it was, if I'm correct. Uh, This guy. Oh, Vivek, one of the uh, Republican presidential hopefuls. Uh, I think his name is Vivek Swami. And uh, he has he it's funny. It's all these Republican candidates who have basically zero chance of being elected president you, you have uh vivek you have uh, nikki haley like they're all like they're all out competing with each other how 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 who can be even more hawkish on china mm-hmm. you know like and, and and that goes with the congressmen and governors too you have like the south dakota governor uh she said china has two thousand year plan to destroy america <laughs> so apparently back 2,000 years ago in the Han Dynasty, <laughs> China were plotting to destroy the future America in 2,000 years. And then, then Ted Cruz came out, and he was being a moderate. He said, China has a 1,000-year plan to destroy America. I mean, like, look, Amer- U.S. will be lucky if it still exists in 1,000 years. <laughs> and- <laughs> Can we look at this and just laugh at this guy for a second? I just, I really want to laugh at this guy. <laughs> just to give everybody a reference of what we're talking about. This, this, oh dear God, this, this is just, this is just hilarious. So let, let's just take a look. Okay. <laughs> fathers, they knew what we were doing. We celebrate today our diversity and our differences. If we get this right, we can actually stand up to the real foreign policy threats that we face. You want China not to invade Taiwan? Here's something we can do. The NRA can open its branch next time in Taiwan. You want to stop Xi Jinping from invading Taiwan? Put a gun in every Taiwanese household. Have them defend themselves. Let's see what Xi Jinping does then. That is what it means to be an actual American Train them how to use guns, just like we did to black people in this country after the Civil War. Taiwan, we're coming for you. We're with you, Taiwan. Put a gun in every household. China ain't going to do a peep. Xi Jinping got nothing on us. And then he, he was, was, he was the one, Vivek was the one on, uh, on, on was it CNN when he talked to Don Lemon? He said, yeah, it's the NRA that gave black people, uh, you know, help black people with uh, civil rights by allow uh, allow black people guns. Like this guy is nuts, man. 
Like we have, these are our politicians. Like it, it looks like any loud mouth who can say anything with confidence gets voted into office. I mean, I, I don't know how to is, explain like this kind of, because they're like, he's a dime a dozen among like, like both parties actually right now. Yeah. Like it, it, it is wild because um, this guy's talking about like how help like we help black people. I'm sorry. Is it is it? Oh, we have too many guns problems in Chicago, or 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 is it you know the you know or is it that we help people with you know with black people with getting guns? Like what? Which one is it? Number no, one. No, he actually claimed on the show with Don Lemon before Don Lemon got fired that he that. It's NRA that was helping black people through civil rights movement by by letting black people have guns. That that's his claim. Well, okay, let's let's take his claim at face value. If that was true, then why didn't they speak out against Ronald Reagan for implementing gun you know gun legislation? Uh, you know, back in the seventies or was it sixties sixties or seventies? But they. You know, he put in gun legislation in order to curb the use of guns in California when he was governor of California. That's what he did. And the only reason why he did it was because Black Panthers were walking around with rifles and exercising their Second Amendment right in the state of California. So if you are really against this gun legislation, then why didn't you speak out against Reagan when he was governor of California? But they didn't because it was black people that had the guns. Exactly. And so for somebody like him to say that, number one, he doesn't know history. Either he doesn't know history, which is less nefarious and he's just more ignorant, or he does know history and he's more nefarious and he's lying to everybody. And so that is the crazy part. And so it's like, and plus, we want to arm them like Americans, but Taiwanese people are not Americans, they're Chinese. <laughs> He's basically repeating the line from uh, the Full Meadow Jacket when the sergeant goes, inside every gook's body, there's American dying to get out. I mean, that's what he said. This is basically right, right, the <laughs> This is the same mentality. This is the same mentality. I mean, like it's 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 stretched all the way to the sixty. It's the same. Oh my god. Yeah, you know, and you know, he said something to the end of you know, uh, Xi Jinping got ain't got nothing on us. Like that's a black term that came out of a, a movie with Denzel Washington. Oh my god, these. They're crazy. They're they just are. But yeah, um, man, I wasn't expecting to go down that route, but that was hilarious. But thank you, yeah, thank you so yeah. much for reminding me of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like all these. The, the funny thing is, there's no way in hell Vivek Ramaswamy is gonna get elected uh, Republican uh, uh, primary candidate for presidency. But these, yet these people, they're doing their utmost to. To to compete each other, say how crazy they are. I mean, it's almost like uh, it's they must be signaling to their sponsors, right? Like we are willing to say anything on TV. You know, you can't <laughs> just give us money. <laughs> We're yeah. willing to say any kind of insane shit for yep. our political careers. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm switching around my questions just a little bit because we're sure. still on the subject of China. But uh, I would like for you to explain to people because there's this there's this thought uh, is says that the People's Republic of China is what they call state capitalist and other states China is socialist. What is the real economic system in China and why are many of us getting it wrong? OK, so first of all, that, the, you know, like. Um, it, 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 first of all, it's, it's really weird that like a lot of the people who live in the imperial core in, you know, in United States 
are trying to judge whether what China is practicing is real socialism or not. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> think of, think about the irony, right? Uh, what yeah. China did uh, after 1978 uh, is basically they said, okay, we will welcome market forces to enter our economy. Um, and But we're going to make the market work for us, not the other way around, which mm -hmm. means... Unlike United States, where the billionaires owns newspapers, where the billionaires own think tanks, owns lobby groups, and, and billionaires effectively shape our policy. In China, yes, you can be a billionaire, but you cannot shape policy. Jack Ma is not going to be able to drive, shape China's policy. I mean, that's why lately we're seeing all these uh, all these cr newspaper show uh wall street journal doing pearl clutching about oh what happened to jack ma no he's been silenced by the chinese government oh my god look at look at all these poor chinese billionaires they're getting you know screwed by xi jinping it's like look united china is not united states you don't get to decide on policy just you because you have tons of money uh, that's not how it works in china you can't be a billionaire but you have to you have to work within the confine of the state. And at the moment you do something crazy, like for example, when uh, Alibaba, they're trying to get into the financial sector, uh, they're trying to get into the credit card, uh, basically mm -hmm. into the credit industry. They, they got the kibosh by, by the state because they're like, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we, we didn't authorize you to do that. Uh, you know, so, so China, China is not is nothing like United States. I mean, they will allow market forces into China to to utilize the market to build up the the industrial capa capacity in China, which has happened in the last 30, 40 years because you know at, at the time when um, I remember because I was born in 1976, I, I lived in China in 1980s. Back then, in 1980s, China was just effectively like any other developing nation that was export, ex exporting raw commodities. You know, China was an oil exporter. People, can, you know, people today probably wouldn't believe that, but China in the 1980s was a net oil exporter. China exported wow. cru crude oil to places like Japan, but China did not have its own refining uh, capability to refine crude oil into petroleum products like a, a chemical fertilizer. So China had to export crude oil and import chemical fertilizers. They had to import everything from transistor radio to fertilizers to, to TV to refrigerator. Back in 1980s, nothing was made in China. Like I, I remember like my family were so happy when my dad sent money back from United States so we could buy like a Japanese made uh, TV and Japanese made refrigerator. And, and this is not because we're non-patriotic Chinese. It's because back then in early 80s, Chinese factory didn't make color TV. They didn't make refrigerator. Chinese factory didn't make refrigerator until 1986. You know, that's why in 1985, we have to get a Japanese made refrigerator. So wow. what has happened in the last 30 years is China, by attracting foreign capital, by, by, uh, by, by building a world-class infrastructure and educating its population to be a very highly effective workforce, they have upgraded themselves. They have improved their, their skills. They, 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 they climb. Oh, another thing about, about China, this is another thing a lot of the capitalists in the United States complaining about is technology transfer. Because the Chinese state said, if you are a Western firm, you come to China, to do, you want to do business in China, you have to share your technology. You know, you have to, the, the technology transfer is a prerequisite for you to do business in China. And that is China's assertion of its own sovereignty, right? Okay. Like, because they're a sovereign country. They get to decide what happens, goes inside their country. If you want to do business in China, fine, you have to follow the rule. You have to share their technology. 
And that's mm -hmm. how China was able to climb the technology ladder. They were able to climb the value chain. I mean, back in the 90s, China was making toys. And then, uh, and then later, they started making laptops and cell phones. You know, like I said, China, before China didn't even make refrigerators. And, and later, they're exporting refrigerator, exporting TV. Um, mm -hmm. This has all happened because China was able to harness the market forces um, but made it working work for China. I mean, that's something what United States should do, <laughs> but the United States government doesn't do that because you know we don't believe in an industrial policy. We need to let the free market, uh, you know, run its course. But <laughs> China, China does not believe in the fr let free market run its course. They believe very much in you know having the state dictate where you know where the resource should be. Be, be, be deployed. But you know what is funny? Because people will be like, well, the government shouldn't be dictating. I'm like, but what if everybody had an actual say in their government? And uh, then I mean, people saying what they want to have done within their country. But the thing is that here's the problem that a lot of Americans do not get into their heads. The fact that you do not have a say in an actual say in how your government operates means that it's being run by corporations and not you. So when it comes to actual market forces, it's not you that's dictating it. And people exactly. say, oh, well, you do it through your dollars, but not while you're doing it under duress. There are some things that we just can't help but to pay for under duress. And if I'm correct, I forgot. I think it was somebody in the chat. Was it somebody in the chat? They were telling me, even when it comes to housing in China, I think the most you can spend on housing in China, I think, is 10%, if I'm so, correct. So, 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 yeah. So, in China, this is the thing. In China, the housing, the household, uh, uh, the ownership, household ownership of homes in China is like 80%, right? I mean, like, here... American dream is all about being able to purchase your own house. But in China, they already achieved it. They already achieved the American dream. 80% of the Chinese household own their homes. I mean, like, I like, I, and, and, and it just goes back to something you said earlier about, you know, like, yeah. oh, but we don't want to let the government, you know, dictate everything. Well, you just let Jeff Bezos dictate everything. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. But 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 it's like oh well we have them taking it over through the means that which we want and it's like is it really what we want or is it what the 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 corporate dictators want because the thing is that you know if you ask most of us here in the country we don't want somebody like Jeff Bezos to have it all you know and even people who wouldn't be on the left like myself they would say, well, we want things to be more fair. And what is more fair? And to me, honestly, it would be us having an equal say in the government. And through that government apparatus, we dictate to corporations what we want as far as market forces. And I honestly think that that's the best way. But because, you know, we don't have a say. I mean, look, speaking of a say, uh, the Democratic Party just announced that they will not be having any, they will not be sponsoring any debates. So when it comes to actual democracy in this country, they, it's they, not don't, want, they, they don't want to make Biden look bad. I mean, <laughs> the guy yeah. barely formed coherent sentences. I mean, like, it's just going to embarrass himself on stage. So <laughs> right now, uh, in United States, we have um and uh, so see i think people in us actually realize there's something very seriously wrong with the system right mm -hmm. but yeah. right now all that all that anger and and uh stress is being misdirected because like now now our republican will come and say oh it's all china's fault because look china steal our technology china steal our jobs look um <laughs> china didn't come to united states and physically steal that factory and put it in China. No, it's Steve Jobs who decided he's gonna build Apple. You know, he have he's gonna have Apple's assembled in China. It's all these U.S. industrialists that 
has hollowed up the U.S. industrial capacity over the last 30, 40 years, since 1970s. Yeah. And, and mm -hmm. you know, but, but, but instead of blaming these U.S. industrialists who owns our newspapers, who own all the lobby groups, who own the think tanks, who own our government and own our congressmen, it's a lot easier and politically expedient to say, it's well, it's China's fault, obviously. You know? Obviously, it's China bad, right? Yeah. But the problem is a lot of Americans, they have very short-term memory. Because if I remember correctly, wasn't it NAFTA that was signed by Bill Clinton that shipped a lot of our, China, our, our manufacturing over to China? Which, you know, for the benefit of China, it actually helped build up their infrastructure and economy. But it was to our disadvantage. But they did it because the corporate dictators were like, well, we want to make more money. Oh, they have over exactly. a billion people there. That means that's a billion more people that we can actually use in order to build ourselves up. And so they shot themselves in the foot. That's the yep. problem. It's like yep. uh, they it's like they had a, it's like having a bountiful banquet of food and you eat it all at once instead of letting it stretch out. And so now Hours later, you're hungry, but all that food is gone because you ate it all. Well, th this is all U.S. is about. I mean, short-term thinking because you know, like it, wow. all the all the corporate CEOs, they they look at the quarter earnings, right? Because that that's going to reflect on the stock price. And yeah. our politicians, all they care about is the next election cycle. You know, two years, four years, whatever. Who cares what happened after five years? They will be out of the office, right? I mean, like, so this is our system is is fundamentally flawed by design. <laughs> and 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 this is, you know, this is what where that's why they don't want you to even think about alternatives. That's why China have to have to be bad. China have to be bad because they 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 what we have is as good as it's gonna get guys. You know, you can't change it. You know, we got the best, you know, the 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 you know the we are the leading democracy of the world, guys, the, the leader of the free world. <laughs> this is as good as it gets. Don't question us, but this is this this is a you know, this is the end of history. <laughs> well, for the United States. Yeah, for the United not, States. No, not for other and, for, other and not even for, for United States, for the elite of the United States. I mean, what 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 has the US empire done for like the average working class Americans? You know, like like we you get your ship job shipped abroad, you get you get uh you know, you and, and then and then you 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 don't you you don't even get any service. You, the U.S. government is not reinvesting in education, so your children are not going to prepare for a better future. U.S. government is not reinvesting in infrastructure, you know. So, so U.S. can, you know, have a, a chance to 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 build back up its, you know, industrial capacity. So, but th those things are hard, right? To to educate because this also require for long term planning. I mean. When you talk about education, you won't see the results for another like 10, 20 years. And and, mm -hmm. and as infrastructure, same thing. You, you can like, but people, <laughs> people here, they all care about the election cycles. They all care about the quarter early reports. So that's that's beyond their 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 time when they get their yeah. uh, own share of the pie. You know, in US, it's all about making money, right? <laughs> like if, if you can't make short term money, you know, might as well go home. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I have another question. Um, sure. And this uh, goes into uh, Bolivia. Uh, recently, Bolivian uh, President Luis Arce said that he wants to create a lithium OPEC to regulate and become an economic benefit. So to he wants it to become an economic benefit to lithium producing nations similar to oil producing states. This comes on the heels of President AMLO calling to, for nationalization of the lithium in, in lithium in this country. What do you think is the West, particularly U.S. response, will be regarding this move? Well, Elon Musk openly announced it on Twitter. He said, "We will coup whoever we want," <laughs> you know. And and so, I mean, uh, yeah. I, and this is again, this is Latin America, so U.S quote unquote backyard, you know, Monroe Doctrine and all that. 
Um, we'll have to see. I mean, let's see. Let, let's. I mean, maybe U.S. at but at this point, um, it's actually good time to test the U.S. hegemony because at current time, the U.S. empire has been overstretched, you know, by the war in Ukraine, which it supports. And now they're trying to start a second front war in 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 Taiwan with China, right? Because it's not it's not enough they challenge one nuclear power, Russia. They must take on two nuclear power, Russia and China, at the same time. You know, uh, that's a genius at Washington at work, you know, that this... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's like, uh, yeah, we're going to pull a gun on these people who have uh, also big guns. and yeah. But we're not yeah. going to pull it just on one guy. We're going to do it on two guys. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, who's who's yeah. actually going to win in that fight? <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and, you know, we know that the U.S. has a track record of infiltrating or cause infiltrating and causing coups and military interventions if they don't get their way. But Will that be the same now that the global South knows the United States bag of geopolitical tricks? I, I think it's good. It's going to be increasingly interesting because today Argentina just announced they're going to trade with China in, in the Chinese currency yuan. They're going to pay yuan for Chinese goods. So uh, the people, the U.S. empire stands on three legs, right? Military technology and financial but ultimately the u.s military and, and its tech industry also depend on the fine its financial leg you know it's depending on the dollar hegemony and and this is because the deal united states worked out with saudi arabia back in 70s that to price the oil in dollars so everybody have to get dollars to pay for their energy and, and that made u.s dollars a world's reserve currency and, and 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 this is why the United States Federal Reserve Chairman uh, Neil uh, Cash Carey uh, or Cash Carey would say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the Federal Reserve have infinite money supply. You know, they can just print. You know, they're, they're not even today. They're not even limited by the the, the forest. You know, the the, the supply of trees anymore because it's all digital. They can just literally add a zero, <laughs> type in a bunch of zeros, and, and then and then the, the, But people are wising up to that. Other countries are wising up to that. that that's why um, I think the kind of what got the snowball roll, rolling was the, the U.S. sanction on Russia, and when U.S. froze the Russian sovereign, uh, you know, the the the, the, the Russian reserve, there's their um. That's Russian money, and they just decided. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> it's in dollars. We hold the dollars. You're not gonna have it. And then the other countries saw that as like, holy crap, this could happen to us. Why are we holding dollars again? <laughs> and and that starts the ball rolling. You know, then you get next thing you know, Brazil is going to China, say, hey, well let's let's trade in our local currencies, yuan and peso. And, you know, Argentina now is coming on board. <laughs> And, and and Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, the originator of petrodollar, says they're gonna they're gonna work out a deal to trade in yuan with, with oil with China, and China is Saudi Arabia's biggest customer. So, yeah, that the, the, <laughs> the ball is ro ro I, I, like I just made a tweet, uh, like a snarky tweet, uh, just before the show. I said, hey, look, U.S. empire is backed by its over bloated military, which is backed by its dollar. Right. <laughs> and and right now it looks like the dollar hegemony is crumbling, right? We're we are we're on the last leg of the, the US empire here. So this is also why our elite, our ruling class are going crazy. You know, they want to like war all the time and, and everywhere because they know their 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 time is limited. Like you have Marco Rubio openly said in front of the Capitol Hill, he said you know, right now the, the whole world is de-dollarizing. That if we don't do anything now, in five years, we won't be able to sanction anybody because they will be not be using US dollars. He just basically admitted to the reason why he just, you know, he just listed the reason why people are getting rid of their dollars because he allowed US this like this is the tyranny of, of dollars. So you know they can they can sanction anybody. Well, what what if we just don't 
know, hold dollars. We hold other currencies. In fact, uh, while you're saying that, let let's uh, actually hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Oh yes, yes, the yes. Donald's mouth, uh, Marco Rubio. Little <laughs> Marco. Brazil, in our hemisphere, largest country in the Western Hemisphere, south of us, cut a trade deal with China. They're going to from now on do trade in their own currencies, get right around the dollar. They're creating a, a secondary economy in the world, totally independent of the United States. We won't have to talk about sanctions in five years because there'll be so many countries transacting in currencies other than the dollar that, that we won't have the ability to sanction them. Today, Brazil, in our hemisphere, largest... <laughs> you, so, you see how fast he's blinking his eyes? You know, you know yeah. this guy's nervous. <laughs> he's in trouble. <laughs> Oh man. Marco, blink twice if you're in trouble. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, oh, oh. no, no, no. Brazil, de-dollarization. Oh my god. Cuba. <gasps> no. Uh, I want to go back to my great granddad's plantation. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, it's oh, it's God. always I, good good to laugh at these clocks. I mean, like people always yes. ask me, it's like, why why Carl? Why do you laugh so much? You distract from the message. I'm like, no, I have to laugh. This is like my self defense mechanism. Like when yeah. when, when we're ruled by crazies and and and, and other clowns, you know, you yeah. have to laugh at these there's their stupidity. I look, I fully am on board with laughing at neocons and war criminals. Clown them. Do that. Because that's the least we can do until yes. we actually formulate a cohesive government that actually listens to the people so that we can actually put them on trial. Yes, yes. Guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> Keep them sharp, baby. Keep them sharp. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I, have, I have, man, I'm so glad I had you on. Um, so there's another question that I have. And this is going on in the same vein. Uh, and is as we see BRICS is growing and we see other nations joining. Uh, I reported uh, a couple weeks back that Egypt is brushing up against the proverbial leg of BRICS to potentially become a member state. Saudi Arabia is becoming more friendly with China. And even Pre French President Macron said that he doesn't want it to be, and I'm using my words, a lackey of the U.S. anymore. What move do you see from the international community, especially BRICS nations, and how they handle the U.S. potentially throwing a tantrum for losing their Western hegemony on the world stage. I mean, people see the writing on the on the wall. I mean, Macron, Macron is a freaking poster boy of the neoliberalism <laughs> in France. I mean, even he saw the writing on the wall that he has to go to China and say like, that oh, Europe, no. <laughs> yeah, Europe should not be a vassal to the United States. And that pissed off a lot of people. You know, in the in the print, I was shocked. I was like, "What's wrong with what he said?" I mean, why why should Europe be a be a vassal to the United States? And he actually said, "Europe should not get involved in the conflict over Taiwan for U.S." Exactly. What what is it, France or any European country's business? What happened in Taiwan? It's like literally half world away from them. Europe. China posed no strategic threat to Europe. There's no dimension of even strategic competition. Uh, you know, the, the most important relationship they have is trade. So why would they sabotage their trade with China for, for the sake of the United States? I mean, basically, Germany, they already got killed by the sanction over Russia that, 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 that they're forced to do. Russia is their base for raw energy you know cheap in reliable energy and china is their big market so so i mean they're going to commit economic suicide if you know on top of the russian sanctions they're going to sanction china you kidding me they're sanctioning themselves i mean that's why all these german uh, industrialists are now moving their factories from germany to united states and yet all the german bureaucrats because they're so Freaking, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Cook, <laughs> cucked. <laughs> and they can't say no to to United States. You know, they're they're witnessing the self destruction of EU, and 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 this is why even freaking 
Macron <laughs> said, okay, let, let's not do that. Let's not go crazy, you know? Let, let cooler heads prevail. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, um, meanwhile, you have Germany going, uh, they're like, wait, the United States just blew up our pipeline. What do we do? I, I, I don't know. What do you think we should do? I, I don't know. And so next thing you know, they're – they're like, uh, I, I guess we'll just, uh, you know, die. I guess. That's what German, German, German. Hey man, you pipeline. What the hell is wrong with you? Instead, they acquiesce. Yeah, I mean, I mean, most of the German leaders, the, the only reason they are where they're today is because they they told the line. You know, anytime. All, all these uh, so-called Europe, so-called allies of United States that step out the line to get smacked down. You know, Henry Kissinger said, "To be the friends of United States is dangerous, but to be its friend, to to be the enemy of the United States is dangerous, but to be friends is fatal." <laughs> and that's Henry Kissinger himself on the horse mouth. <laughs> and 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 you know this. This is what's happening right now. U.S. is literally cannibalizing its own so-called partners. You know, they're, they're, they're all the because because U.S. still have abundant natural resources like a, a natural gas. That's why all the German industries are coming to U.S. right now. This is uh, this is this is why U.S. is full on board of supporting Ukraine war because the war is happening in Europe on the European soil. And the European economy is getting devastated, and and the European capital and industry are fleeing for safety to United States. You know, this is a U.S. plan. U.S. plan right plan right now is just blow up the rest of the world, so all the money will come back to United States. I mean, I mean, this is, uh, you know, and, and U.S. claim to be the champion for stability, but you know, yeah, yeah, that that's a really great point. Um, so I have like three more questions, and I, but I just don't want to uh, over, you know, shoot over the time. Let, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Yeah. Okay. We All right. One more. So we'll we'll skip the fun questions for another time. But oh man, uh, I was hoping for the fun question, but okay. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, like one of mine is you know serious, and then the other two ones like more of like a personal question, and then the other ones a, a, a fun question, you know. Okay. Um, but you know, I just wanted to respect respectful of your time because we're close. Thank we're you. approaching an hour. Yeah. Um, but as you observe the U.S. left from outside of the empire, what do you see is the major issue with getting our feet off the ground to change the system, and what can be done to escalate positive changes outside the realm of electoral politics? That is a great question. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I I don't think electoral politics is a way to go. You know, people have seen what happened to Bernie, right? I mean, he he, he this is there's no there's no room for the two in the within the two party system to 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 effect the change from within. Uh, mm -hmm. That that is a dead end. You know, whoever that uh, even appeared that that be saying something different eventually get co-opted I, I i'm i'm looking at you aoc <laughs> and uh, and uh, but <laughs> I mean, yeah and and like people i think it's important for people to organize you know both online and offline uh build your community build your community build your um your your you know support groups because at the end of the day this is what all you're going to get. You know, this is the, the people that that share your goals, share your ideals, you know, try and, and try to reach out to people who, you know, you know, don't don't be a purist. <laughs> don't be a purist. The, the, the goal of politics, like like Mao said, is you are trying to grow your camp as big as you can. Like you, you want to make your enemies camp smaller and smaller. This is their support group, smaller and smaller. Your your support base wider and wider. So, so reach out to people, um, organize both online, offline, and, and build your own community and, and, and invest in your own community. I mean, by, by investing, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your time, devoting your energy. Uh, uh, you know, like, like you, this is something I think um, people is more practical, you know, like for, for people, if you, you, we live in, uh, humans are, are social animals. You know, we, we need that 
We need that community, the camaraderie, sense of belonging. So, so go ahead and make it happen. All right. Thank you so very much. That's it. The other questions I'll ask you next time. But uh, yeah, but I'll I, come back for the for the fun question next time. <laughs> yeah, you, I'll hold you to it. Okay. Um, but look, it was a pleasure having you. Um, the answers that you were giving me really just satisfied a lot of what I was curious about. And of course, you know, there's a lot more questions, you know, regarding what's going on in the world that I would like to ask you as things go forward. So I just really want to say that it was an honor to have you on and I appreciate you coming on to my tiny little channel. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I love to talk. Invite me back anytime. Uh, I, I, I want to, I, you know, I, I, I still want to get to that uh, fun question eventually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, look, I'm saving that. I'm not deleting yeah, it. Yeah, but... yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but also, uh, if you can give the audience uh, a little information of where can they find you? Okay, I'm a prolific shit poster. So is that something you like? <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. But just just my name, Carl Za, you know, one one word on that's my Twitter ID. And uh, I, I I you can also find me on Facebook. I don't I don't post there as much. Uh, I do have a podcast, the Silk and Steel podcast, where I talk about chi everything China, history, culture, politics. Um, uh, most of the, my content are available on most of the podcasting uh, podcasting platform, I, whether it's uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, I do have a Patreon, uh, you know. So come support me on my Patreon, uh, Silk and Steel Podcast. Just uh, just go to go to Silk and uh, go to Patreon.com, search for Silk, and the first result will be my Silk and Steel Podcast. That's how I support my uh lifestyle in bali so so uh, if you like my content support me all right and i'll make sure to put all those links in the description below thank you thank you so much carl it was a pleasure and i hope you have a good night on the other side of the world thank you very much james all right thanks bye-bye all right so that was a beautiful interview. Uh, I cannot wait to have Carl Jia back. Uh, that was an uh, awesome conversation. Uh, and I actually feel smarter now, now that I got to hear, you know, uh, his perspective on what's going on, especially geopolitically. Uh, this is one of the reasons why I have people like him on. So thank you so very much for that. Uh, just to let you guys know, uh, if you guys have not yet, please make sure to like the stream uh, because that pushes me out into the algorithm. Did you subscribe yet? Uh, this channel, uh, we are very interactive and we try to, you know, put out as much information as possible so that we get to the truth on different matters, uh, either around the world or even here domestically. So if you guys have not, then please make sure to also subscribe. Turn that little bo red box to gray. Also, thank you so very much again to the patrons on Patreon and Coffee. For without you guys, I would not be able to do this type of work. Thank you also to the members. Yes, I also do memberships as well. And if you guys would like to as well, you guys can give any type of mutual aid via various platforms in the description below of each video and stream. Also, if you guys would like to, you guys can also go to my Substack. For notifications, you guys can go to jbfont.substat.com so you guys can get notifications for whenever I have clips or go live. You guys can get those there as well. And thank you so much to Carl Ja for joining. And I cannot wait to have him back on. And I'm thinking of making this a regular thing. So thank you so very much to everyone. Thank you so much to everyone in the chat. Uh, if you guys giving out any super chats, thank you so very much for that as well. That is also very much appreciated. You guys are beautiful people. Also, just to let you guys know, uh, I also will be doing the next reading for Asada Shakur's autobiography. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And so we'll be getting into that. And then also I will be venturing into chapter two. 
of the book by Dr. Devon Price of Laziness Does Not Exist. So yes, we will be getting into that very shortly. So I cannot wait to discuss these books with you. So thank you so very much to everyone. And like I always say, water your plants, water yourselves, leave the world better than you found it. And learn more about what the United States says about the enemies. Are they really enemies? Are they really bad? Or is the United States just twisting it to make themselves look good? We got to think about these things. We actually have to, you know, look at things from at a more objective point of view and also talk to subjects who are from places which are constantly demonized. Why are they? So, thank you so much. Mwah, forehead kisses. I know you were waiting for that. You know I love giving those out. I give them out like free french fries on a holiday. Not freedom fries. French fries. Ho ho! Flinch! Ha!